0: Good morning, City Church. This is City Church Together. My apologies. I intend to uh, have something for you on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays, typically. But with it being a holiday weekend, we got pushed back one day. Uh, Last week, did the same thing, except it wasn't a holiday weekend. We had other complications. Uh, So our aim is always to get get something to you on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday um, with an occasional Friday. Uh, so if you, are, if you were looking yesterday for a podcast um, that followed from our sermon on gender this past Sunday, then you have found it today at long last. Um, if you have not yet listened to uh, the sermon on 1 Corinthians 11 from Sunday, you are going to want to do that before you listen to these podcasts because they will probably make a lot more sense um, what I want to do today uh, is I'm going to read a couple of the questions that, uh, that we got in. And then um, I will answer those I will answer those um, over the next couple of days as you tune in um, to the podcast because I want to start foundationally with something. But I did want to whet your appetite with some of the things that we will be answering. Um, this one comes. This uh, question comes from Emma and she said that she's wondering how to love uh, transgender people in a way that will lead them to Christ and let them feel loved. Specifically, whether we should call them, uh, we, I suppose, being Christians, should call them by the pronouns they prefer. She says, I've had a lot of trans friends and know that they felt very hurt and unloved and defensive when they were called by the pronouns they didn't want to be called because it brings up dysphoria and makes them feel awful. If they are not a part of the Christian faith, I believe that we shouldn't call them out on that and instead love them as they are and call them on how they want, uh, call them how they want so that we can bring them to Christ and they can come through him back to their original design. Um, What is your viewpoint on this topic? So um, we will answer that over the next couple of days. Thanks, Emma, for that question. Um, Very specifically, um, when we are talking with trans people, should we use the pronouns that they prefer us to use for them? Uh, the Another question comes from Kelsey and Emily. Hey, Kelsey and Emily, um, MTSU grads from 2016. Um, they asked if I could explain singleness as it relates to uh, 1 Corinthians 11. So uh, the idea that men and women are... Are interdependent on one another, that need each other, and what that then means for the way single people live. So those are those are two questions um, that I hope to answer. But before I get to those, uh, what I want to do today is I want to do what I promised and go back through some of the particulars of the text that I covered to talk about um, to talk about in particular what. Um, some of these really, really strange phrases and ideas might mean. Um, I said this um, two or three times during the sermon on Sunday, that this is one of the most difficult passages to interpret. And even depending on what version of the scripture you have, you may have some different renderings or representations of Greek words. So I did seek uh, the original Greek in a lot of this to try to understand what was there. Um, and even if you get the original Greek, those words can mean multiple different things. Um, so I wanted to see um, the way these words were used in context, in the context of the of this letter, in the context of the letter of all the letters Paul writes in the context of the bigger theme of the New Testament, the bigger theme of Scripture. Um, and that's where I came to some of the conclusions that I did but today um, let me address a couple of things that I did not address very uh, in in very much detail um, that I that I just found frankly very confusing um, first one is this whole uh, phrase because of the angels let me read the text of scripture first Corinthians 11 uh, 10. Says this is why a woman should have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Okay, um, in the flow of this text, here are a few things that this might mean. Um, in fact, some uh, have translated and understand the the word in the Greek. The word symbol is actually not there. Um, it more closely reads: This is why a woman should. Um, could be you could understand it. This is why a woman should uh, or has authority on her head. Um, some people have read this and interpreted it as this is why a woman should be her own authority, um, that she herself possesses authority. Uh, of course, it's translated symbol here because I think that that fits with the passage in the context. It's it's cover. It's uh, wow. See, even in English, I was going to say it's covering head coverings, but you realize how that could be confusing. Um, the, the big idea of the passage for Paul seems to be women need to wear head coverings in the worship gathering. So why in the world does he say because of the angels? Um, one is, I think, adding in the word symbol of authority, I do think that helps us get closer to the original meaning of the text. I think that's what Paul was talking about. This is why a head covering is a symbol of authority on a woman's head in the worship gathering. Uh, The phrase, because of the angels, um, the the best that I have read and, and what makes sense to me is... To look at in 1 Corinthians another time just before this that Paul actually speaks about angels. You may remember it from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you remember when Paul is talking about how um, believers should not sue other believers? And uh, he says, essentially, why can't you work your disputes out among yourself? After all, you are people who are going to judge angels. So Paul's argument in 1 Corinthians 6 is, Look at the big picture of who you are and where you're headed. Um, the idea of judging angels is is more about ruling over angels um, and less about like pointing out which angels are good and which angels are bad. It's, it's you are going to rule with Christ. You are rulers who have discernment and wisdom enough that you can rule even these heavenly beings eventually. So you ought to, with God's Holy Spirit now, be able to settle disputes. I think there is a hint of that that's going on in First Corinthians 11. In other words, in other words, Paul's saying, get it together, church, in your worship gathering. Don't be so much like the world who has done away with these gender roles um, by uh, essentially women exposing themselves and their hair in the midst of these worship gatherings or in the midst of these pagan worship gatherings. Now you're doing the same thing. Come on, church. Get it together. Don't you think we can act in a proper way as we gather for worship? So, of course, women should wear a symbol of authority over their head because of the angels. Like, remember what I said? Uh, remember what I said? Uh, obviously, Paul wouldn't say back in chapter 6, but we know it as chapter 6. Remember what I said in chapter 6? You guys were all uh, fighting, and and uh, you had all these law spe- lawsuits in in between you. Don't you realize you should be able to settle your own disputes? Same thing here don't you realize women should have wear a head covering? Women shouldn't come into church uh, with their head exposed. That undoes the natural order of things. It's it's going to be a temptation to cave into these external understandings of gender roles outside of the church. So think about the angels. There are other things that fit. I am, I am about as sure of that as I am sure whether it's going to rain in the next two days. You know, it's just like uh, it's it's kind of a best guess, and I think it, it fits with the text. Um, it could just be a reference to w- realize how holy your worship gatherings are. Um, angels are watching you, like spiritual beings are participating in this worship gathering. Um, I, I think that's a fair idea. Um, there's also, if you, if you read that text as, uh, if you read that particular text uh, in the interpretation that I mentioned before, where uh, women are their own authority. Um, possibly it could be talking about angels as messengers, like, hey, women pray and prophesy too. They are messengers just like the angels. Um, and the angels are sort of their own authority, um, So, and so women are their own authority. That's another understanding of that. But I think it is best understood by looking at the way Paul talked about angels in 1 Corinthians 6, which is sort of a come on, get it together, Um, you ought to know what is proper within the church because you're going to be judging angels. Okay, so that's the angels one. I think the second weirdest one and most uh, hard to explain here is um, at the end when Paul writes about um, haircuts. This is what he says starting in verse 13. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair is a disgrace to him, but that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory? For her her hair is given to her as a covering. If anyone wants to argue about this, we have no other custom, nor do the churches of God. So um, the idea seems to be here from verse 14 that if we look at the natural order of things, that Paul says, does not nature itself teach you, that if a man has long hair, it's a disgrace, but if the, if a woman has long hair, it is her glory. Um. Here is my take on this. I do not think this passage in any way has an application uh, in the 21st century that says uh, women should wear head coverings when we gather in church when they pray and prophesy, Neither do I think this has an application that C, men should always have short hair and women should always have long hair. I think the point that Paul is making is an observation about the way things are. Now, I I I, I did a brief like Google search, clicked on a few articles, tried to figure out, you know, if there was any kind of consensus on You know, have women historically in every culture had long hair and men historically had shorter hair than women? Um, And it seems to be in general that in many, many cultures um, uh, through time that though men have had long hair, that women's hair has typically been longer. I'm not banking on that. I'm just trying to make some kind of sense of what Paul is saying. Um, there is argument about nature here. Is it referring to the natural order, as in what God created and intended to be, or is this referring rather to uh, what Paul observes people doing in his time? Um, I definitely think it's what he observes people doing in his time. Um, but I also think it probably has something to do with just men and women in general, which is what we have to talk about when we talk about gender roles. Um, so I think what Paul is saying here is, look, don't you see? That women typically have long hair, men typically have short hair, and you don't look at the men with, you don't look at the men with short hair and think, "Oh my gosh, what are you doing?" But we do look at the women, and we say, "She seems to have with short hair," and say, "She seems to have lost something, or there seems to be something missing." Therefore, um, therefore, women who have long hair. Um, by by the way, my wife has had both periods of short hair and long hair. I happen to prefer the long hair, but um, I, you know she was not shunned when she had short hair. You know it wasn't it wasn't a theological issue for either of us. So I think Paul is making a general kind of observation, and his point being: look, even naturally, God wants um, God Himself has sort of covered women's heads in their glory. And so we should add to that by saying, yeah, a woman should definitely have her head covered. Um, And I spoke a little bit about why that was at this time. Again, there is... if our church or my family was filled with short hair women, I, I don't think they would glorify God less. I don't think that's what the carryover of this passage is. Just like we, we do not ask or require or, or even desire women to cover their head when they prophesy and pray. I think there is a culturally specific thing that is happening here. And the bigger idea is that gender roles matter and we should not take our cues from the culture about what male and female is and what male and female does. Rather, we should look to the way that God ordered creation. How did he order things, and what does that, and what does the way that he made us to reflect him and image him, what does that say about specifically what it means for male and female to image God? Um I did want to give you those um so that you wouldn't have to wonder for the rest of your life at least what I thought about them. Um there are some great reading and some good scholars who would say differently about those things. Um and ultimately I think the bigger deal here is to get to the heart of the the passage. Now, the questions that leaves us with that we will leave for tomorrow and then answer some of these um other questions that were sent in is what exactly is the gender role of a male? What is a man supposed to do? What exactly is the gender role of a woman? What is a woman supposed to do? What cues from creation are we actually supposed to take from that? And how does that work into um, loving people uh, who are trans or how does that work into, um, like our other question, singleness? So hope to pick that up with you tomorrow. In the meantime, in the meantime um, let's meditate today for just a minute on uh, the setup for uh, two verses that are the setup um, for his address in 1 Corinthians 11, which is uh, 1 Corinthians 10. Uh, verse 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. And then in verse 1 of chapter 11, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Do everything, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything to the glory of God. And I want to live a life imitating Christ so that I live a life worthy of others' imitation of Christ through me and in me. Let's be silent together and we'll pray that for our day today. Our Father, whether we eat or drink or the, whether we put on, um, a dress or a skirt or yoga pants or skinny jeans or non-skinny jeans or coveralls or overalls or shorts or slacks or whatever it is, whatever the sort of outward-defining clothing that um, we're trying to say something about ourselves or about our gender, whatever we do, I pray that we do it to the glory of God, that we would not mainly consider our comfort that we would not mainly consider in the way that we carry ourselves um, and carry our gender. We mainly would not consider our, our own feelings. But Father, we would consider your glory. What does it mean to cascade that glory? What does it mean to show off your glory in how we speak and how we dress and how we act and how we care for others and love others? Father, as we talk about gender it can bring up this week it can bring up so many hurtful things in so many people's lives we want Father to speak truth in love we, we want our words and our actions to be toward healing toward bringing people to you and so now Father would you give us a heart to hear you, even the difficult passages, like that are just difficult to understand, like First Corinthians eleven. But will you minister to us through that, so that we can be that we can minister to others through it, Father? I pray for the those who are hurting because of something related to gender in our city. We're in other cities where listeners are tuning in, right now we lift those up to you, um, the, the LGBTQ trans community. people who have abused gender roles, men who have taken their strength to take advantage of a woman instead of lift her up, call her up and sacrifice for her. Father, bring ministry to those people by your Holy Spirit. Give us wisdom as we move forward in how to love our neighbor. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, Amen. City Church, go and multiply the gospel.